I believe that the answers to all of our problems in the world are locked up inside of people who are not sharing what they know with the world. So my purpose, my why, I actually have it written out on a, on a poster in front of me, and it is to inspire people to show up, to speak up, and to contribute their gifts to the world. You're listening to Fuel Radio, inspiration and training to fuel your day. Now here's your host, Rod Jans. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Fuel Radio. My guest today is Patty Kay. I can't remember where I saw this, but somehow, oh, maybe on Facebook or something, that Patty had released a book. <laughs> I immediately knew that I had to talk to her about it because I love her approach to marketing. And I've, I've talked to several people who have been clients of hers and have had great success. So I'm sure the book's going to be a success and is really going to help people. So welcome to Fuel Radio, Patty. Thank you, Rod. I'm uh, super delighted to be here. I think this is actually the third interview that we've that we've done, and I don't know that we've ever met in person, which is kind of funny. <laughs> no, I don't think we've met in person, and I think this is the first time we're doing video. Yeah, it is, and we we may have been in the same room at one of uh, <laughs> at, at an event or something like that, but I don't know that we've ever ever formally formally met. So we'll have to change that. So just in a sentence or two, and I know you're an expert at this, tell, tell, <laughs> I hope you are. I'm putting you on the spot now. Tell us what you do. <laughs> well, I would uh, describe myself as a business um, coach consultant. Uh, it's a combination of business coaching and consultant, uh, consulting. And what I do is I help my clients get super clear about um, who, they're, who they're selling to, what their product or service is, and how to explain it in a way that gets their clients to uh, listen, understand, and buy. Excellent. And you're addressing such a critical issue for business people, aren't you? Because so often we're asked, you know, what do you do? And it's like, uh, 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 uh. And you've only got, sometimes that you've only got a couple seconds there to make that first impression. And then I know that you're really good at helping people wordsmith what they put on their websites and in their their marketing materials. That's, that's part of what you, I like, I like that term. What did you say? Coach Sultant? Coach Sultant. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually do more consulting type of work, but because I work with teeny tiny, like self-employed individuals, they don't hire consultants, they hire coaches. So that's what I refer to myself as, but absolutely it is the wording. It's um, if you can't describe what it is that you do, it's really hard for somebody to buy it. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, just, just briefly, uh, you have an interesting story of how you got into this. You were, you were programming, if I recall correctly. You were a computer programmer and, and somehow, tell us how you somehow made that shift to marketing. <laughs> oh, I, 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 rem I remember the day like it was yesterday. I was, um, I was in a boardroom giving a presentation uh, to sell to sell my services as a computer programmer. And I was bidding on a very large project. It was something that was going to keep me busy for six months, nine months, maybe even a year. Um, and I had my PowerPoint slides ready to go. I gave my presentation. And at the end of the presentation, they were like, yeah, you're the person. We're doing it. And like we shook hands on it. And I walked out of there with the contract. And I remember I was, I was like feeling on top of the world. It's like, woohoo, I don't have to worry. I know where my income's coming for the next few months. And I did it. And yay me. And before I reached my car in the parking lot, I had this sinking feeling. I'm like, oh, crap. Now I have to write code. It's like, 
after struggling for years and years and years to sort out the sales and marketing part, I got to the point where that's the part I liked. I liked selling the project. I didn't like delivering it. And that was the moment, I think, where, you know, where the switch got flipped. It took me a few years to actually uh, move forward with that. But that was the moment when I knew that I was done as a systems analyst. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So the last Fuel Radio interview we did with you, we talked to Kate and you really helped Kate turn her business around. That was was great to go in depth. Uh, I asked you what it was like to work with Kate and Kate told me what it was like to work with you and Kate had been really struggling and somehow you helped her do all of the things that you're talking about. You helped her figure out what her message is and, and how to charge for things. And cause she had, she had people signing up and then quitting on her and all that kind of stuff. You helped her package her programs and it sounded like a great process that you, you bring people through. And are, are you still, are you still doing that? I, I still do that. And in fact, I'm 100% focused on, on doing those things. Um, the first one being figuring out a good business model. How are you going to package your services? How do you put it together? How do you create something that's, that goes in a box labeled the answer to your problem or the solution to getting what you want uh, for your clients? It, it's key. It's, if you find yourself in a position where you're having to convince or persuade somebody to buy something, then that's where the problem is. Create something that they want to buy and your marketing problem pretty much disappears. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it seems obvious when you say it out loud, but, but we get caught up in that. And a lot of what we're taught is, is that marketing is about convincing, it's about persuading, it's about influencing. And in a lot of cases, it's about psychologically manipulating people. It's about tricking. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, Alternately, <laughs> you can sell something that people actually want to buy and you can find the target audience, like your market, your niche, um, your ideal clients, whatever you want to call them, the people who are actually looking for what you have. Uh, they want it. If they knew that you had it, they would buy it from you. It makes the whole situation easier. Um, it's not sexy. It's fund- fundamental and kind of foundational <laughs> level, uh, yeah. but it's the key. <laughs> yeah. I, I love your approach, Patty. And if, if, you, if I may, I know this is your interview, but <laughs> if I may rant just for a second, <laughs> I am so sick of the whole persuasion model where you go to an event. I was just at one recently and I actually had to walk out because it, it was just a pitch fest. Maybe I have an issue with anger, but maybe I think it's just that I'm around it so much, you know, being in marketing myself. And it's like, I just can't handle it anymore. I can't handle that persuasion thing. It's like, I find what you're doing appealing and I know, like, and trust you. And it's something that I happen to currently be looking for. I'm in, like you say, I don't draw me in. Don't, don't keep, it it is, I'm tired of being manipulated. I think that's it. I just like, ah, I want to take a gun to my head. (laughs) Yeah. And so. you know where that comes from? It, it, it comes from people trying to, to sell something that people don't actually want. Um, yeah. Selling yeah. something that's overpriced or it doesn't deliver the value. And there's, there's a lot of information out there that says stuff like, oh, create, um, create an online course in one day and then spend the next year marketing it. And, <laughs> and, and then people do this and you end up buying stuff that you're disappointed in. 
why not create something good that's worth talking about? Or I, I hear a lot of people say, don't, you don't even have to create the course. Like just go out and market it, start selling it first. And then, <laughs> you know, p- p- persuade people first and then, and then create the course afterwards, you know? So, uh. you, you, you know, in some ways it's not a bad strategy in terms of testing the market, <laughs> but only if you I've heard too many stories of people doing that and sure. then getting overwhelmed and not able to actually deliver what they promised. So. Yeah. If you know your stuff, it's not an issue, right? So t- yeah, I, I, I hear you. Yeah. But so. I am, I am a big fan of running a course for the first time as an interactive live in person kind of a course in which mm-hmm. case you can uh, gauge whether or not there's a market for it and you can get immediate feedback and you don't have to invest a whole lot of time and effort and money putting together a course that nobody's going to buy. And I've met more than a few people who've done, gone down that road as well, put all that effort into building something and then, Hey, you yeah. built it. And they didn't come. <laughs> <laughs> How did you get so knowledgeable? Like where did you learn your marketing skills? Um, <laughs> the, what do they call that? The school of hard knocks. Trial and error. <laughs> school Trial of hard knocks. Hard yeah. Yeah. Experience. Yeah. yeah. I have the exact same experience that a lot of my clients go through. I was a computer programmer. I was great at being a computer programmer. And I had this idea in my head that if I did good work, people would show up. I would get like word of mouth (laughs) advertising, which does happen once you're established, but not until you actually get some clients. And I was shy and I didn't want to ask for stuff and I didn't want to do the self-promotion and I had to figure it out. And yeah, trial and error, books, workshops, courses. I took some sales training in the 80s that was scarring. (laughs) (laughs) It was horrible. They actually gave us this advice. Be so annoying and persistent that people would rather buy from you than spend another minute with you. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> like no, but I found some some good resources, and yeah, I learned about ethical sales and marketing, and mm-hmm. and when I figured it out, it was like, oh, this isn't so hard. <laughs> yeah. I know I came across a book along the way about selling with integrity, and uh, it it really changed the way I I do things, and it was all about asking questions and help you know helping people discover. Their own resources and what they really needed, and and uh, yeah, there's no you didn't have to persuade or, or or push or manipulate or anything like that, or even do all the talking. I had it yeah, in my yeah. head the good salespeople had what my mom called the gift of the gab, right? And it's not true. If you find yourself doing all of the talking during a sales conversation, you're doing it wrong. It's, it really is. It's about asking questions. It's about finding out what somebody needs. What's the real problem. It's about figuring out for yourself. Is this a good fit? Um, Can I really help this person? And it's all about questions. It has a lot more to do actually with coaching and counseling than with um, presenting. Yeah. So I want to get to your book in a sec. I have a couple of questions that I ask all of my guests because we are focusing on the Wi-Fi lifestyle. I mentioned this to you in the pre-talk interview, our conversation, and that is, uh, you know, working where we want, with whom we want from, and you're working from home. I'm at, I'm at home right now as well. And I believe that one of the keys to living this lifestyle and working this way is time leveraging. And I'm wondering if you have some sort of, what's, your, what's one of your, what's one of the main ways that you leverage time and, and find leverage in your business? Okay. I'm super excited about this because it's, <laughs> figure it, but I figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> 
the trick is to figure out how you work best and to work within that framework. So for me, I have a ton of content that I want to share. I've, I've been studying this subject for 30 years. I've got a lot of experience, a lot of stuff I want to give. And when I blog, when I write, I find that it takes forever. Um, Parkinson's law, a task will expand to fill whatever time you give it. And so I would say, oh, I'm going to blog once a week. And I would spend hours and hours trying to write a blog post. Well, recently I decided this isn't working. (laughs) I'm never going to get the content out there if it's going to take so long. So instead, I've committed to showing up every day at 10 o'clock in the morning to do a live video on Facebook, which means, and and for me, the, the parameters around that are it's live, it's unscripted, and it's unedited. So I need to decide what I'm going to talk about before 10 o'clock in the morning. I need to show up and I need to talk. And then from that, I create the blog post. So in the last two weeks, I've recorded nine videos. I've written nine blog posts. And to my shock and amazement, the quality of the writing of my posts might not be as great as some of the ones that I've spent 30 hours writing, but it's not bad. (laughs) (laughs) But because I have that deadline and because, and because I'm committed to showing, to showing up, I've shortened that amount of time that I'm giving myself. I'm basically saying, this is what you're allotted. Yeah. <laughs> so now what used to take me 20 hours is taking me two and I'm getting a video out of it. And my expectation is that I will, I will shorten that time down even further as I get better at it. <laughs> hey, good for you. I, I think a lot of people are afraid of video, including myself. Like I want it to be, I want it to be perfect. So I stress out about what I'm going to say ahead of time. So that's amazing that you just show up and, and do it. I mean, you probably think a little, do you have a bit of an outline going into it? Yeah. But just an outline, right? You're not spending hours writing your script or anything like that. Nope. It's just an outline. And, and uh, yeah, I was afraid of doing it too. And that's why I did it actually. I'm like, I'm going to get past this fear of speaking on video. It's, I found that I was making decisions for, for marketing my business based on what I was afraid of, um, you know, what was comfortable for me versus what was really needed to be done. And I'm like, I'm going to get rid of all of those things I'm afraid of. And, and uh, video is the first one I'm taking on. <laughs> and surprise, I actually yeah. like it once I got past the horrible nurse. But I gave myself a really easy bar to clear. It's I show up and do the video, yay me. That's all. I, I just have to show up. It doesn't have to be great. It doesn't have to be perfect. It can be downright awful. As long as I show up and do it, I pass. So well, it's, it's funny that you mentioned this because I did this this morning. Actually, I woke up with a thought in my head and I wrote it all down. And I was thinking about posting it, but it just wasn't you know, it just wasn't perfect enough. And then I thought, well, maybe I'll do a video. And I thought, oh, I don't feel comfortable shooting a video. So, you know, I, I've ended up not, I, I did, I did a really small little post instead. You know, you've encouraged me. I think what I really need to do is just shoot the video anyways and, and whatever. Cause people, I, I think when I write, I'm so worried that uh, about it being, you know, grammatically correct and really accurate and, and sounding, you know, so, sounding profound or whatever. Exactly, yes. And but I think people do you find that people are maybe a lot more forgiving with with when you're on video when you're just speaking it. 
You, you don't I, have to I, be as grammatically correct and all that kind of stuff, right? You're just I conversational. Think, I think being conversational and not being grammatically correct is part of what makes videos appealing. Yeah. I know when I watch a video and somebody is reading it, they've lost me. And I've had that feedback that people don't notice when I say, um, and on, and I feel like I'm rambling and they're like, no, no, you're fine. And okay. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, it's as close as I can get to having a conversation with, with somebody. I'm just talking to somebody across my desk and I'm going to say what I'm going to say, just like they would in a conversation. Yeah. Excellent. And one of the questions we ask people too, and I, I, I hope I'm not putting you on the spot, is, but is why do you do what you do? What's your why, your Simon Sinek why? Oh, funny you should ask. <laughs> <laughs> because my why is directly related to what you said about holding back of sharing of, of the information because you wanted to make it perfect. Mm -hmm. And my purpose in life, I, I believe that the answers to all of our problems in the world are locked up inside of people who are not sharing what they know uh, with the world. So my purpose, my why, I actually have it written out on a, on a poster in front of me, and it is to inspire people to show up, to speak up, and to contribute their gifts to the world. Um, it's, it's related to my business, and this is me leading by example. It's why I'm doing Facebook live video posts. It's like, if I'm asking others to do it, I need to do it too. <laughs> so good. I love that, Patty. That, that, is, that is great. Yeah, there's so many people, I guess, including myself, who have a message sort of locked up inside of ourselves and don't, maybe don't have the courage to, to share it for whatever reason. But uh, I, I, what did you say? I like that, that you, you think that it's act, the answers to a lot of the world's problems, they, maybe they aren't getting solved because we are, we're holding back. We're not sharing. It's, it's so true. The world is being run by people who are overconfident in their thinking. And I think that a lot of the people who are shyer and less confident and they aren't out there saying what they, they think, they're the ones that have actually given some thought to things. They've thought things over. They've done the research. And um, a fellow once said to me, only the competent doubt their competence. Um, <laughs> we tend to be the ones that... that um, that hold back. We doubt, we doubt our ideas because we're actually considering them from all angles and we're, we're really digging in and, and what we're, we want to share or what we have to share is well thought out. And then we don't say anything <laughs> because we're not confident. And I think we need to step up. I think everybody needs to step up and, and say what they think and, uh, and contribute to the world in the way that they were meant to do. So I've got a bit of a challenging question for you here. I think one of the things that holds me back is I feel like my thinking's always evolving. And so I don't want to give out, I feel like I'm giving out false information because I may decide something different tomorrow. <laughs> Do you find that with the people that you're working with? I know you work with lots of people. You work with lots of messengers. Do you find that as a, something that holds people back? I, I, I haven't, I can't think of a, an instance where somebody has said that to me. But it, <laughs> I'm a freak. But, but it's mine. No, no, no. That's, that's mine too. And in fact, the reason the book took so long to come out is, is a book is so permanent. And I have evolved and changed my thinking. I've said I've said things that I want to backtrack on uh, because I learned something new. I discovered something new or the world has changed or technology has changed. 
the advice I was giving out to people when I started my business seven years ago has shifted now. And it has to. And personally, I think that it's a sign of a well-evolved human being <laughs> to, to change their mind. I think this whole political bullshit thing about um, <laughs> don't ever um, flip-flop or whatever, it's like, be smart enough to change your, <laughs> to change your mind. <laughs> it's like you learn something new, you will change your mind. And um, for me, it's just, I'm just accepting it. I do the best I can in this moment with what I know today. And if mm -hmm. I know something different a year from now, then that's what I'm going to share. And I'll just, I'll correct myself then. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, really one of the main reasons we got together was to talk about your book and you just mentioned it there. So that's great. Thank you for providing that transition. <laughs> I haven't read the book. I just heard about it. So uh, the book is called The U-Shaped Business. Tell me just a little bit about, I like knowing the story behind things. So how long did it take you to write this book? Where did you first come up with the idea? I decided that I wanted to write a book in 2009. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's probably it's not nine, uncommon, right? <laughs> a, yeah, I, as I told you before, before we even started this interview, I have a couple books in the can too that have been working on at least that long as well. <laughs> I, I decided I wanted to write a book in 2009. I came up with a concrete idea of what I wanted to write the book about and put the write a book on my active project every year for about three or four years, uh -huh. uh, including last year. I started the book, gave up the book. I wrote 40,000 words towards my book a few years ago, and then I deleted the whole file. Oh, wow. And then I started again. And then I finally, finally, finally got it done at the beginning of this year. I wow. did not want to see it on my list again. Yeah. Was that the main, uh, what, what gave you the motivation to finally get it done? Are you just sick and tired of having it on your list? Or? I was sick and tired of having it on my list. And I basically said, okay, I'm going to do it or I'm going to not do it. Um, but if I don't do it now, it's coming off the list one way or the other. And then I, I committed to it and, and I once again, I went with what works for me and I just focused on the book. The, the project was the book and I put a ridiculous amount of time in like 60 hours a week on the book <sighs> for about three months uh, to get through it. Not an, e not an easy project to write a book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially when you want to get it right. <laughs> So I love some of the subjects here, some of the bullet points that I have in front of me. Uh, skip self-promotion and instead market yourself by being helpful. Find clients who need and want your services instead of trying to convince people to work with you. Uh, let's talk about, we've already talked about that a little bit, but I want to dive into that some more. It's just that I think we... Um, if you're anything like me, you feel the need to try and convince people all the time, you know, and I actually just recently said, that's it. I'm not going to sell myself anymore. I'm done. So yeah, what, what, tell us a little bit more, tell us a little bit more about that. How do you overcome that desire to try and convince people all the time? Well, I would say that the first, that the first, uh, <laughs> the first piece of that is to think about the people who really need your help and who really want what you have to offer. The reality is, especially for, for the people I work with, self-employed professionals, we have a limited amount of bandwidth. Even if what I could do could help everybody in the world, I cannot possibly uh, set up 7 billion appointments. I, I don't think the software I use allows for that. 
<laughs> so, you know, it, it's, it's, that it's, it's about choosing who you want to work with. It's about choosing the kinds of people who can really benefit um, from what you do. In my world, that looks like creating an ideal client profile, which is not based on demographic information, like how old they are or what gender they are. It's, it's based on more of their worldview, their values, finding people that you're aligned with, and most especially finding people who actually need your help, value it, and are looking to, looking to buy. It can be really tempting. Anytime I walk into a networking event, I see a room full of people who have basically self-selected that, hey, I'm here because I need more business. There's no other reason to spend your Wednesday night at a networking event unless you do. I look around there and I go, wow. I, like when I first started, I look and go, wow, everybody here needs me. And then I'd hear them do their introduction. And I'm like, well, they need me bad. Uh, <laughs> but it's not true. <laughs> it's just not true. Some of them don't want the help. They're not looking for it. Some of them are serious about their business. Some of them think they're doing just fine. And I'm wasting my breath trying to convince people that, that they need some help. I would rather do something educational and have the people say, hey, wow, that's really good. Can you help me do that? So what do you think makes this book really unique? Like how does it stand out from other business books? Of course, there's a ton of business books. What do you, what do you think makes yours unique? Well, I called it the U-State business for, for a reason. Uh, most business and marketing books, um, advice even in general, sound a lot like uh, identify a good market, find out what other people want, and then develop something that meets that need. Mine starts from the inside out. It begins with what is it that you want to do in the world? What's your skill? What's your talent? Uh, what's your purpose? You know, what, what do you want? And it starts there. And then, and then, yes, for the marketing, you need to look outside, but, but figure out your service first. This is not about trying, you know, it's not about making a logical decision about, oh, you've got, um, you could go after this market or that market. And then to say, oh, I see the best business for me is selling vacuum cleaners. Um, even if you have no passion around vacuum cleaners. So it starts with, with you. And it's about how can you use you, being you, <laughs> as part of your marketing. Not trying to be like everybody else, but showing your personality, using that to your advantage. You know, being maybe being a little bit quirky, being a little bit personal. That's the number one thing we have as uh, self-employed service uh, professionals is that we build a relationship with our clients. We can afford to be personal. We don't need to have automated email funnels and um, uh, artificial <laughs> intelligence to, to try to connect with people. I mean, that's for big businesses trying to be personal. We're small businesses. We get to be personal. We can make that decision actually connect with people and build relationships. And it's your greatest skill. It's your greatest advantage as a self-employed person is that you do get to be you build that connection. I'd imagine there's a, there is a real movement towards this, isn't there? I read somewhere recently that the large, the majority of people starting businesses these days are women who are 45 years and older. I'm sure they're not starting corporate, you know, their, their goal isn't to start major corporations. They're probably starting uh, U-shaped businesses. That's, that's exactly it. And uh, that, that also describes the vast majority of my clients. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and a lot of it is it's wanting to share the wisdom that you've um, built up over over the years. A lot of of the clients I work with, they have a huge amount of life experience. They've got um, if they're healers, they've got um, 
they've got uh, multiple certifications in their wellness modality that they've chosen and they've learned a lot of stuff along the way and they want to pass that on and they want to make a difference in the world. Um, you know, they want to do, they want to, to do something meaningful and that drives a lot of it too. A lot, it's surprising, uh, but not everybody is in business primarily just for the money. Uh, a lot of people, it, it's, it's a creative self-expression kind of thing. It's a, it's a way of helping people. It's, it's a way of living out your purpose. Like, would you say a lot of people who are in U-shaped businesses, they've maybe tried that before. They fit in, they were in a box for years and it just, they just couldn't stand the box anymore. And now they just have to, they, they want to do, they want to be in business and they want to help other people. And they really want to do something that, that helps other people. But of course you got to have income coming in at the same time. So do, do you find that as there's a lot of people trying to escape the, the rat race and escape the box, but still want to help people and still want to be involved in business? Yeah, I, I, I mean, there's a lot of people, um, for instance, who may have had a career and have retired. They want to do something or they need to do something in order to, to get by here in Vancouver. So, yeah, they had that and they don't want any more of that. I, I know that was true for me. It's, when I was in my 30s, all I wanted was to be able to make good money programming computers. I was happy. <laughs> I was happy with that. That's what I wanted. I wanted people to pay me to write code in my basement. That's all I wanted. Um, and, and that shifted. It shifted big time for me when I started this business when I was uh, still in my 40s. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know the book is just recently out, uh, but you do have client stories as well. Can you tell someone who's, tell us another story about someone who's been through your process or maybe someone who's read the book and it's really made a difference to them? Well, I don't know if anybody has completed reading the book. Um, <laughs> it's so fresh, <laughs> hey? <laughs> I, I, I think I clicked the, the it's available now um, button like just over a week ago. I've had some people say, oh, it's arrived. But I don't know that anybody has had time to read it and implement yeah. it. But I can tell you um, another another story about a, a client that I've that I've worked with. In fact, one of my one of my very one of my very first clients, and, and she had this really high level wellness kind of kind of business, and she was doing what a lot of people do. They get into business and they get the advice that says go to networking events. So she was going to business networking events, and she was trying to convince the people around the table to to work with her, to come to her clinic and to, to get these wellness treatments. And she was trying to explain what she did in very technical, <laughs> very, very technical, using a lot of her own jargon. And she was really nice and people liked her. So they gave her positive feedback, but she had trouble getting people to come in for a free appointment. And, and if they did, they might buy one session or something like that. She was really frustrated because she was doing all of the things that you're supposed to do. Um, and so when we worked together, we figured out, first of all, who's going to buy from her. And it wasn't the people in the room. As soon as you're convincing or persuading, trying to get people to do something they don't want, you know, you're barking up the wrong tree. So it's like, okay, who wants this stuff? And we determined that the people interested were the people already on a wellness journey. They were already interested. They were already spending their money there. If you looked at their ideal, that their, their core values, health would be number one. And 
where would you find those people? What other businesses deal with them? And so we made a list of all of the potential that they would see naturopaths, they would show up at health food stores, they would go to yoga, they would uh, they'd take up running or they, they, they would join gyms, they would work with personal trainers, we just started making a list of all of the other businesses that they would be involved in. We changed the packaging of what she was offering, put some language around it to make it really clear uh, what the offer was. And then the marketing plan that she needed to execute need involved her going out and introducing herself to those businesses that um, serve the same clientele. And then when we met for a follow-up appointment, I asked her how it went. She goes, Oh yeah. And she starts listing the people that she saw, the reception that she got, some were, were interested, some weren't. And she says, I know I have to build up a relationship with people, but I've got my foot in the door with, with a few people. And I'm like, wow, it's, it's so great that you're the, the kind of person who is willing to do that, to go out and, and make those contacts. And she said, she says, I didn't want to. She says, I was scared. She says, I had to decide what's more important, being comfortable or looking after my business. And it's just, we turned that thing around really quickly because she was willing to, to do the scary things involved um, in, in making it work. And she stopped doing it. It's easy to go to a business networking event it's welcoming and, and people will, will hug you and they'll be happy to see you, but they're not going to buy from you. <laughs> it was hard to go and introduce herself to some other business owners who could help her, but she got the help. Um, they did support her. She ended up getting something like 46 new clients in a very short period of time because right. she found the right people. And she did the things that she needed to do in order to make it work. And that's mm. really, it's not hard. The, the, the practicalities of how to market your business, how to get clients is not hard. The hard part in, in my estimation is making yourself do the things that lie on that path between where you are now and where you want to go. Um, you can learn, you can learn what you need to learn about marketing through my book, <laughs> any one of a gazillion other books, follow any decent book about yeah. marketing and do what it says and it'll work. The hard part's doing what it says. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, congratulations on, on getting the book done and getting it out there. I know from personal experience and from uh, talking to people who have worked with Patty that she's the real deal, and I, I wish you wish you every success. So we, we you mentioned it. The book's available on Amazon. Is there any other way that people can get it? Or yeah, yes. tell us tell us what we can do to get the book. <laughs> The book is available on Amazon. Uh, if you go to my website, Patty K, that's P-A-T-T-Y-K dot com, uh, there's a link. Um, there's a link for the for the for the book, and there's all kinds of videos and blog posts and stuff like that. Lots of free information as well. So excellent. So it's Patty K dot com. I got to tell you a funny story. Is that Patty? I've known you, and we've talked maybe for the last few years. I never knew what your la actual last name was. Until you sent me an email this week, <laughs> I, I was always a mystery. You were always just Patty K to me. <laughs> That's my branding, and you know what? It's face. It's Facebook. That's the reason people find out my last name is because of Facebook won't let me use K. LinkedIn lets oh, me yeah. use just K. Oh, there you um, go. <laughs> it's it's totally a divorce thing. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I got the K. He got the rest of the letters. That was in our agreement. <laughs> Well, I'm not sure who got the better end of that deal. You only got one oh, letter. I, <laughs> <laughs> I have 
have a six letter domain name. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, I, I really enjoy talking to you. Thank you for joining me today on, sh- on such short notice. Hopefully we can spread the message and, and some people will hear about the book and, and pick it up. Thank you so much, Rod. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to Fuel Radio.